Like, it's time to hate watch with us. Today, the Emmy nominations dropped. So, of course, everyone is losing their mind, including us, probably. We're about to find out. And then next, we're going to do something a little bit completely different and unrelated. Going back to our roots of traditional hate watches, where we are traveling to the motherland for the Hallmark original movie, (laughs) Moonlight in Vermont. (laughs) Wow. What a treat this will be. (laughs) It's a wild episode, guys. In my defense, when we were planning the episode, I figured the natural tie-in was television. (laughs) (laughs) You mean we were planning it about six hours ago. Yeah. 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 Way back then in the good old days. (laughs) Shortly before the Emmy nominations came out and kind of ruined my life. (laughs) Did they ruin your life? Tell me. Well, only kind of. Because they snubbed Jane the Virgin. Jane the Virgin was not nominated for a single goddamn thing. Are you fucking kidding me? Shocker of the century, though. Nobody appreciates us, including the Emmy nominator votes people. No, like nominator votes. There's multiple <laughs> shows on here that I have never fucking heard of. It's rude. So let's t- let's talk about this a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about these Emmy noms. So we're not going to tell you everything about them because you have the power of Google, but we will tell you our hate watch version because that's what you're here for. So we're going to talk about outstanding drama. The nominations nominees are. I feel like I'm the presenter. (laughs) And the winner is not the show you watched. (laughs) So for Outstanding Drama, they nominated Better Call Saul, House of Cards, The Handmaid's Tale, The Crown, This Is Us, Stranger Things, and The West World. Two of those, all the notes I have is why, 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 why. But also, who knew anybody watched The Crown? I mean, I watched The Crown. But it was never part of the conversation, and yet... On the internet, not with us. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, that's not totally true. Some people on the internet watch The Crown. Sure, but in comparison to The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, my theory is that it was political, and I don't know, there's probably like a Netflix lobbyist somewhere in the nominating committee who wanted to make sure that Netflix, like, reigned supreme. They got Stranger Things and House of Cards, and I would argue that... The show that I've seen of the Netflix shows does not deserve to be on this list. (laughs) House of Cards did not have its best season. No, they did not have the best season. But as long as House of Cards is on the air in one form or another, you are not going to be able to get away with an Emmy season that does not include House of Cards. But it's not that good. But like we talked about in our House of Cards episode, just based on how it presents itself, there's no way you could get through an award season without it. No, because it's so pretentious. It Yeah, exactly. Like, they dressed it up like a prestige drama, and so it has to be trotted about like a prestige drama. There's just no way around it. I can imagine that The Handmaid's Tale would win this. I, I feel pretty secure in that. Personally, I'd like to see Better Call Saul win this one, but yeah, I feel like Better Call Saul is, like, in its own little niche enough that I would eat my hat if it actually won. Yeah. If you're looking at the qualification for outstanding being that, like, every single thing it does is incredible, 
Better Call Saul is like by far the one that fits that bill the most. Like, right. Right. Especially, nope. I was about to do it. I was about to start breaking it down and highlighting one thing it does well over another thing it does well, and you can't do it. Everything it does is so far above what the pack is doing. But mm-hmm. it's political, and Better Call Saul is not going to win. I want it to win just for that stupid glass block wall in this season. Mm-hmm. That's literally mm-hmm. all I want it to win for. <laughs> <laughs> Among other things, but I want that to be on a pedestal. Like, yeah. this is why, because it's the most beautiful set piece I've ever seen. You know what? I will actually eat my hat if it wins mm. and burn the internet down in a fiery flame of despair <laughs> is if This Is Us wins. I'm so baffled uh, by This Is Us. From everything I've heard, from every single critic I follow, it's at best pleasant. Mm-hmm. At best. There are a few critics that we follow who watch it and, like, enjoy it. But you would think that Mandy Moore's shitty makeup alone <laughs> would, like, disqualify it from anything. Like, if they can't even handle, like, her wig and her concealer, then they don't deserve to be an outstanding drama series. If Friday Night Lights couldn't win an outstanding drama series, which I don't think it did, then there is no fucking way that This Is Us should deserve one. Yeah, I'm not thrilled by it. I'm not either. With the amount of things that are on television, like, it is shocking to me that This Is Us rose to this position. I guess it's not totally unfair that it is represented in other categories, just it doesn't feel to me like it deserves to be in the outstanding drama category. No. I think we can move on to outstanding comedy series. Yes. Modern Family. Again, why? 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 I honestly thought this show ended like three seasons ago. This fucking show. It's like Groundhog Day. Yes, exactly. Every time I turn my back, I think this fucking show is over. And then the next thing I know, it's not. It's like the fucking desk spider I've been dealing with this week. It's like the sitcom of television past that won't die. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So also nominated Silicon Valley, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Beat Master of None, Blackish, and Atlanta. I like a lot of these shows. I'm not caught up on all of them, but I like them enough to not be unsatisfied if any of them won. Yeah, it's a strong category. Yeah, I particularly think Master of None had a super strong season, but since I can't speak for the other ones, I don't want to throw that in as my decided winner. I've heard really good things about this season of Veep. Not at all surprised to see Atlanta on the list. I've read really good stuff about Blackish. I haven't seen it myself. And then I did watch all of Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, and I thought it was a good season. It was a pretty strong season, and like, Slightly more grounded than it has been in the past. But again, I'm not sure if I'd allow it to rise to the level of outstanding comedy series. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed to not see Catastrophe on here. Yeah. Especially with this past season being so, so strong. So this is one thing I was thinking about in all of my, like, ire that Jane the Virgin was snubbed. Is, like, was it snubbed because it's, in terms of genre, it's not, like, super clear what it's supposed to be? Yeah, that's part of it. And it's also just not the audience for the Emmys for what that's worth. Yeah, that's true. As much as we'd like to think it is. <laughs> I think the CW itself does a disservice. Just ha- having it on that network with that name yeah. can do a disservice. Branding issue. Same reason, but opposite end of the spectrum, why House of Cards keeps getting nominated. The one thing that's annoying about the Emmys year after year is things like 
Modern Family winning every year or Veep winning oftentimes for lead actress every year. Didn't Veep win like a record number last year? Yeah, and it just gets old. And the purpose of the Emmys in some ways is just to bring new great television to, you know, everyone who's watching it and raise awareness for it. So when you're just raising awareness for the same ABC sitcom for eight years, like, what's the point? I mean, that would hopefully be the point of it. But the real point of award shows in general, as with any grand tradition in any part of like, Hollywood, is circle jerking. Well, sure. (laughs) So, like... I was trying to be optimistic. Well. All right. (laughs) You know who I am. (laughs) You know what podcasts are on. (laughs) I mean, I appreciate the like value driven angle that you bring to this, but wrong industry. (laughs) Yeah. And the Golden Gloves does it better anyway. So. Yeah. They've at least awarded Jane the Virgin some of the. It's true attention they deserve limited series there's a couple things here that i haven't heard of but the one that i did see was big little lies and i think from what i've heard that's going to be one of the top contenders i would think fargo but fargo's been around and it's a multi-year show and from what i've heard big little lies was like a one-time deal Mm, fair enough so i think just from that alone Mm -hmm. it'll it has a chance and it was very very good not to say that any of these other ones weren't, I just haven't seen them. <laughs> mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on uh, actors and actresses? I think the lead actresses category is strong. I haven't seen The Americans, so I imagine it's tough, but I have a hunch it's going to go to Elizabeth Moss Yeah, for The Handmaid's Tale. I think The Handmaid's Tale has a pretty good chance at most of its categories this year because it was like a runaway success for Hulu, and I think The Emmys is going to want to recognize that the way they did when... House of Cards had its first round of nominations for Netflix. People just really like seeing those think pieces come up the day after the award show, you know? But it was also like a pretty stellar adaptation and a stellar work of production. But more than anything else, it's timely. Yeah. And award shows do really like to make statements. I think The Handmaid's Tale has a lot of easy wins in certain categories, but Elizabeth Moss is also just an incredible professional. It's tough, though, because she's also up against, like, Viola Davis. Claire Foy has been written about at length for her performance as Queen Elizabeth. And she had to play a living monarch, which is, like, kind of a terrifying task. Mm-hmm. And then she's up against Robin Wright. And that's yeah. that's tough competition. Like, it's stiff category. Mm-hmm. I think as much as I love the Americans, this season was not the strongest season. Mm-hmm. And... I would like it to get recognition at some point, but we have one more season to get it done, and I think they're going to bring it all home next season. Well, but the thing about the thing about the actor and actress categories is that you can have a lame season and still have incredible acting. You know? Yeah, I I think that the actors didn't have a year. Ah, gotcha. (laughs) You know that thing when your two lead actors have a newborn together? Oh no. And then have to go to work every day. Oh, that's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. It's a thing that I kept being like, eh, maybe like, you sleep? You could see the sleep deprivation. <laughs> yeah. I, I do love them both very much. They're great. But understandably, I'd prefer them to have won last year. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm holding out for Elizabeth Moss. 
just because I think she's she's an incredible actress and an incredible professional. Like, all of this is, like, the most told story about the show, I feel like, but all of the stories about her memorizing her voiceovers so that when she's in the scene that's going to have the voiceover in it, she's running those lines in her head as she's acting so that her acting matches the voiceover. She's just an incredible professional. I also feel like this is the validation for Peggy that we never got. Yeah, I mean, that that is truly the other thing for me, is I think that she is, like, a very underappreciated gem and has been demonstrating that for a very long time. So, right. so her winning for The Handmaid's Tale, like, means a lot more to me than just The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. How about those men? Those men. I was, I was going to maybe hop over this category. I mean, we can skip the men. It's fine. It's just not a strong category. Kevin Spacey and Bob Odenkirk are both good. I'm happy to see those names in there. I don't know anything about the Americans, so I'm sorry that I haven't recognized Matthew. How do you say his last name? Reese. He's a gem. Gotcha. He's on the wine show, Kirstie. Yeah, I know. I recognize the name from that. All right, all right. I just hadn't heard it said out loud yet. God. Right. (laughs) I'm like a little concerned that Milo Vendigmiglia is nominated, but hey. (laughs) Uh, It is upsetting to see two lead actors from This Is Us in the same category. I've noticed a lot in this list that there are multiple people nominated from the same show in different Mm -hmm. categories, which I don't like. It feels like it's stacking the deck, but I'm especially unhappy to see it twice under lead actor for this is for this is us (laughs) yeah there's so many shows on television guys there's so many other actors doing things if you weren't going to give catastrophe your outstanding comedy at least give rob delaney a lead actor well this is lead actor in a drama series oh well shush (laughs) it still counts i'm with you in spirit just not in genre You know, sometimes I'm not paying attention (laughs) to the title of this segment. As we go down for actresses and actors in limited series, I have very limited experiences with any of these properties, so I'm just ignoring it quietly. I have a lot of feelings about Reese Witherspoon. Really? Yeah, she's incredible. I love her in general, I just haven't seen Big Little Lies. It's better than Elle Woods. It's so perfect. And then as we go down to lead actresses and actors in a comedy series, this is where I would have liked to have seen cast of Catastrophe. They absolutely deserve (laughs) to be here. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed to see Julia Louis-Dreyfus for Veep, only because she won last year. She's won like seven years in a row. Yeah. And she's incredible on that show. She's a great actress. Her comedic timing is like unbelievable. I adore her. I just like, feel like you shouldn't get awarded multiple times for doing the same sh- the same shtick over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you're you're awarding the exact same thing over and over again. Like you leave no room for innovation. Right. I'm not unhappy to see Ellie Kemper in here for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, just because mm-hmm. I I really like Ellie Kemper and I think like she doesn't have a very diverse set of skills necessarily, or at least not that I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. But what she does do, she does so well, and I, like, really respect the type of personality that she tends to play. Yeah, I was interested to see Pamela Adlon here uh-huh. for better things. A, because it's an FX show that got moderate viewership, <laughs> but not, like, great viewership. Yeah. And it's pretty funny. She's really great. 
I don't expect her to win, but it was interesting to see that name pop up. Yep. And then again, like lead actor in a comedy series, other than Aziz Ansari and Donald Glover, I'm not super stoked about the rest of the list. Yeah, and we all know Jeffrey Tambor's going to win. He's going to fucking win. He did last year, too. So. God, that fucking show. I am. I know plenty of people who like Transparent, and I haven't seen it, so like... I'm not trying to discredit that, but it's just like, get the fuck out of the award categories. <laughs> God. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> Speaking of people who should get out of the award categories, let's just kill Ty Burrell from Modern Family. <laughs> from an outstanding supporting actor. Yep. Dear Lord. <laughs> His name comes up every year. Yep. Because that stupid face. I don't feel very strongly about any of the supporting actors and actresses in a comedy. I'm happy to see Tony Hale there, mm-hmm. but that's that's a little bit of like Arrested Development wish fulfillment as well as like Veep wish fulfillment. Sure, and then, but looking at the su- supporting actress to go off your point here, there's three for Saturday Night Live, there's two for Transparent, and there's one for Veep. Yeah. So it's only three shows being nep- represented with six different names, which is pretty gross. Six different slots, right? Yeah, it's pretty gross. It is gross. And, like, there's a couple on here that I think are worthwhile. Like, Kate McKinnon certainly has been killing it this season on Saturday Night Live. But, you know, you only get one. Right. <laughs> That's something you fight about before you submit your nomination. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's an internal argument with your show. Like, it makes me wonder what was going on for, like, the Emmy committee. The, the like, I'm I'm thinking about... The conversation that happens between Matt Solarsice and Alan Sepinwall in the intro to TV The Book, where they spent five days G-chatting about the four TV shows that tied for first. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, like, were, were the Emmy people, like, having to do five days worth of G-chat soul-searching, and then we're like, oh, fuck, let's just nominate all, all of them? Yeah, it's called They Were Too Overwhelmed by Peak TV and decided to pick the names they knew. Well, so that was going to be my other question is, does their watch list look like mine? And they've only watched five shows in the last year. And they were like, well, shit, now what? Yes. (laughs) That's what everyone on the internet seems to think. Yeah. Let's put it that way. And as you go down, like, that's honestly what it feels like. It feels like they did a quick search of the internet and just sort of pulled the first 10 names that came up on repeated Google searches. It's almost as sad as listening to me try to name drop the television I watch. <laughs> Except perhaps sadder, because these people are fucking professionals. Yeah, it's sadder. Yeah, like, this is these people's day job. Like, get it together. Mm-hmm. Supporting actor in a drama series is an interesting category. Yeah, I was reading a, a quick article from Matt Dollar Sites today about how Michael McGeehan was an egregious... Uh, mistake of not including on this list because even in place of Jonathan Banks especially in this season of Better Call Saul he was so much more present in this season and it was very very important his role was in particular yep so Jonathan Banks was like here and there sure and I he's great and he deserves attention but this was Michael McKeon's season yep and it's sad not to see him on here for reasons that I can't tell you because I don't believe in spoiler culture right um (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I'm not caught up yet, obviously, but it does seem a shame to not recognize him. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Michael Kelly being nominated. The, the king of the skulkers. 
Yeah. Yeah. He didn't do anything this whole season. He skulked. He skulked in corners. He didn't do anything. I mean, I think he made it the whole season without drinking. Yeah, but he didn't have a plot. He just had, like, a jealousy feud with that chick from Who's Tammy too. Yep. Oh, and he took the fall. Yeah, but... So? So? It was not an Emmy-worthy <laughs> performance. You, you, I could do that performance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing... The thing about a character like Doug is that he was really compelling in the first season because he was just sort of like dark and gritty and endlessly loyal. And so it was like, well, what is your deal, dude? And then we learned his deal in season two. And now it's like, okay, so you whisper talk and you stand with your arms crossed all the time. Right. Cool story, bro. (laughs) And I mean, I think Michael Kelly is a very skilled actor. Yeah, it's not about him. It's about the performance. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he was given... A particularly meaningful, yeah, meaningful material. And I, I mean, I guess it also depends on like what you think grounds a performance for a supporting actor. And so if you're thinking about it in terms of like how they support the plot versus how they support like the lead actors, like how they boost up those performances. I just Mm -hmm. don't see Michael Kelly as even having material this time that boosted up Kevin Spacey. In previous seasons, he did. Like, there were previous seasons where, like, Kevin Spacey needed to be playing off Michael Kelly, but that didn't happen this season. No. Not at all. And then the supporting actresses in a drama series is, like, Yeah, I have no feelings. Yeah. I have no feelings about a lot of this list, outstanding, supporting actors and actresses in limited series. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, I think it... I mean, I, I feel the burnout very early in this list because, as we've already said, it's the same titles over and over again. Like, uh, like as we go down, we've got Better Call Saul, House of Cards, This Is Us, The Crown, Westworld, Westworld, uh, Handmaid's Tale, This Is Us, Stranger Things, Big Little Lies, Big Little Lies, Big Little Lies, This Is Us, <laughs> This Is Us, This Is Us. The also, Handmaid's The Tale. Wizard of Lies? Not sure what that is. Yeah, what is that? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> The worst part about seeing all this and being bored by the list is that these are all the categories I'm going to have to sit through before I get to the good stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a long award night. The only thing I have feelings about in terms of guest actors and actresses in a drama are Alison Wright on The Americans. Mm-hmm. She was a, a very important minor character, I guess, for four seasons. Uh-huh. Four or five? Four? I don't know. Seasons are hard, guys. Yeah. And uh, she's finally getting her due, and I love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In comedy series guest actresses, I love very much that Carrie Fisher got nominated for Catastrophe. And I think she'll win. She deserves it. I would be upset if she didn't, truly. Yeah. I think, again, it's another one that's timely, and there are going to be very many people in that room who are going to feel the need to, like, honor her memory. Yeah. Like a lot of people who had relationships with her. And so I I feel like they'd be hard pressed not to give it to her. Yeah. And you haven't finished this season, right? No, not yet. She has one appearance at the very end of the season. It's very, it's meaningful to her, what she's always stood for her whole life and her mm-hmm. legacy. Yep. So I think in particular, they're going to use that reel and win it. Yeah. Easily. But also Angela Bassett and Master of None was amazing and... Had Carrie Fisher not been nominated, I would love to see her win, too. 
I'm not thrilled to see Lin-Manuel Miranda on here for guest actor in a comedy series, mostly because he's already got his ego out. He doesn't need to be on here for Saturday Night Live. He doesn't have it yet. Oh, he doesn't? I no, thought he got it last it. year. That's why he's going to win. No. Ugh, don't give him the EGOT for Saturday Night Live. They're going to do he it. He could you do know better. Do it. But he can do better. And we can all do better. Everyone can do better. Speaking of doing better, why the fuck was Matthew Reese on Girls? Why? But also, like, why are the only categories that Girls got nominated for the guest actors and actresses? And that's hilarious. Like, what does that say about where the show ended? The only thing that could get it into the Emmys was for guest actors. Do you want to talk about Upstanding Variety Talk Series? Yeah, sure. We can hop down there. Do you have a favorite here? So I'm somewhere between Samantha Bee and John Oliver. Personally, I would really like to see Samantha Bee take it. I don't spend a lot of time with talk shows, and the ones that I do watch are the political ones. So I watch like Samantha Bee. John Oliver, and then I occasionally watch The Daily Show and Seth Meyers, and then, like, once in a blue moon, I'll catch up with Stephen Colbert. Mm -hmm. But I don't do, like, I do not fuck around with Jimmy Kimmel. I don't watch James Corden. I have no time for Bill Maher. And, like, the more traditional, like, variety-type shows, I don't watch at all. Yeah. So I'll put that all out there. But I still think... What Samantha B is doing is like she's doing a lot of really good journalism and a lot of really good civic work, which I think in these are modern times is like an important thing to be modeling, even if it's being modeled on a comedy show. But I also just think she brings a completely new energy to that format. Mm-hmm. And like she's kind of out there kicking ass and I have loved her since her Daily Show days. So I'm happy to see her killing it. All that said, John Oliver has been doing really great journalism yeah for a couple years now and the last six months in particular he's done some incredible work so i'd like to see him take that too you know who i'd like to see win an emmy Hmm. martha stewart and snoop dogg (laughs) together collectively they apparently have a show called martha and snoop's potluck dinner party and so i knew that the two of them were friends and that they smoke a lot of pot together to this day It's like a thing I happen to know from the internet. And I had heard of Martha and Snoop's potluck dinner party. And I had seen pictures of the two of them in kitchens together. But I thought it was an internet joke. I didn't know this was real, much less real enough to get an Emmy. Is this like what happens when the Great British Bake Off comes to America? I think so. Oh. I think they were like, what can we do that's going to be like more baller and more chill than Great British Bake Off. And they were like, let's get Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg stoned as fuck and let them cook. <laughs> I'm like curious enough that I want to seek out a highlights reel. We, let's do an episode. I'll put it in the spreadsheet. Oh, no. <laughs> Listeners, if you would like to see this, please let us know. Otherwise, Listener poll. tell us that you don't want to see it and we'll spare you. <laughs> I'm a little surprised to see Project Runway on here just because it seems random. I don't, um, so I don't understand the limitations of the Mm -hmm. Emmys in terms of, is it limited to North America? Is it limited to, I don't know, because like the catastrophe is on here, but it's distributed in in the US, but so is Great British Bake Off, but it wasn't filmed this year. So I don't know all the technicalities. So I don't know what they have to work with. Let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) is what I'm saying. Part of me wouldn't be surprised if RuPaul's Drag Race won, just because I feel like it's having a moment. I've heard that Match Game's gonna win. Really? Yeah. That makes sense. It's a revival. People like revivals. 
Outstanding directing for a comedy series is another annoying one because it's it's Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, beep, beep, beep. Atlanta. And then poor Donald Glover up there with Atlanta. By default, I feel like he should win just because he's the only one flying solo. <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, have, have I ever made you play WarioWare? Uh, maybe. So yeah. It's this terrible Wii game and it's like, four second mini games and whatever and there's this one challenge where at the end of the round it puts all of the me's on ropes and each of the players get to take turns cutting random ropes to see Mm -hmm. who gets left and depending on what place you came in during the round you get more ropes and i feel like it's the same setup and we just got to cut the ropes until we're left with donald glover yeah (laughs) like the deck is stacked y'all and i understand in the directing and writing sense more than I do in others, only because oftentimes directors and writers are assigned to specific episodes. But again, there is so much fucking television. Right. We, like... Agreed, agreed. It's it's rude. It's rude. Like, is it possible that those three episodes of V were better than anything else on television? And equally as good as each other. Right, right. Not only do they stand up against all of television, they stand up against each other. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> for writing, um, for a comedy series in particular, I was happy to see Aziz and Lena Waithe mm-hmm. nominated for Thanksgiving, which is that episode I was mentioning on an episode or two prior about them growing up through every Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. through their whole age six to present day. Yep, and it's also about. Lena Waithe's character's like coming out story over that time period, so it's it's like a check in every year, mm-hmm. uh, and it's also about how her family sort of welcomes Aziz into their home every Thanksgiving. Yep, and it's really really great, and I was just happy to see that on there. Nice, you'll love it when you watch it. I promise. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to Master of None. That's one on my list that I'm not dreading. <laughs> <laughs> and then for drama. There was an episode of Better Call Saul that's nominated that was probably the best episode of the season. Wow. For outstanding writing for, is it writing or directing? Where'd it go? Um, Oh, yeah. Outstanding writing for a limited series. I was actually pretty happy to see Black Mirror on here. It's the San Junipero episode, which is in a couple of categories, and it's the only thing Black Mirror got nominated for. But I thought this was a particularly strong season of Black Mirror, and so I'm I'm happy to see it on there. San Junipero was like a a pretty fucked up episode. Like that, there's about three episodes from that season that like really stuck with me with almost the same level of horror as like the number one episode of television that has fucked me over, which was from season one of Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm happy to see that on here. I think it's it's an underappreciated show at times. I can't stomach it. Yeah, well... I don't know, not to sound like that critic, but I kind of think that's proof of its power. No, it is. It is. I, I've tried to, like two or three episodes of it and I couldn't do it. This season was super fucked. <laughs> it like, it really stuck with me. I'm not looking to get punished when I watch TV. <laughs> as much as I sat through a whole season of House of Cards, I know. it was bad. I was gonna I'm not say. looking to get punished like that. I don't know. This is one that, like, not only punishes you for television, but, like, for watching television, but, like, punishes you for being a human of this earth and participating in modern society. Right. That's it's like there's no it. escape. I hate it so much. <laughs> On a much later note, our 
Hate Watch Fave Bob's Burgers is nominated for animated program. I really, really want to see Bob's Burgers take this one. Yeah. Part of me feels like it's going to be The Simpsons because I also feel like The Simpsons is having a moment right now. But I'm really, really rooting for Bob's Burgers. I would love that. I also love Archer. I'm not caught up with Archer, but I do love Archer. I saw probably the first four episodes of the first season. It doesn't strike me as something that would be your type of humor. <laughs> it was it was fine. Like, I was actually surprised that you liked it. Like, I remember the first couple episodes thinking that by all rights, it should have seemed like roles were reversed and I could have stomached it better than you. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's what I thought at the time. That was a couple of years ago. So maybe I'd feel differently about it now. I mean, I love mean jokes as much as I like nice comedy. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm very much rooting for Bob's Burgers. That would make me very happy. So if you have thoughts about Emmy nominations or use of the word snub <laughs> and whether you're using it appropriately or not when you describe how you're offended about the nominations, you can tweet to us at HateWatchWithUs or send us an email at HateWatchWithUs at gmail.com. We'll check back in maybe after the award ceremony proper and see where we all ended up. I'm going to stuck be, I'm going to stuck, I'm going to be stuck watching it. <laughs> I'll just wait until the highlights the next morning. I feel like I could just Skype you in. It would be really great. I mean, you could, but then I'd have to watch it. Oh my God. <laughs> It's so hard to watch TV once in my life. We've been been having a week over here at Hey Watch, guys. (laughs) You're coming in in the middle of a fight. Kirstie's too stubborn. I'm not stubborn. I'm just overwhelmed. Oh, my God. There's a lot of television. It's not meant to overwhelm you. It's meant to be fun. Oh, it's really overwhelming. Speaking of things that uh, may or may not... (laughs) meant to be fun (laughs) definitely not overwhelming just to give you some context i am currently drinking a fine rye made by a local distillery out of a branded brewery mug from a brewery in the northeast kingdom that is in fact a mason jar and says on it drink like a vermonter so i just want you to really breathe in that sense of place as I whisk you away. To what may be upstate New York. <laughs> Maybe suburban Toronto. <laughs> to somewhere that has snow. Therefore, <laughs> Vermont. So. <laughs> oh my god. The Vermont tropes almost fucking killed me. So we watched the Hallmark movie, Moonlight in Vermont. This movie hit my radar... A few months ago, because anything Vermont-centric, like, will blow up Facebook for a day or two. No, Vermont. We're very easily satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) Or entertained. So, this movie is about a successful career woman, capital C, capital W, who's a real estate agent in New York City. And you know that she's successful because the opening montage is pictures of her real estate signs with sold stickers slapped on them. And then she says, my schedule is just a blitz. (laughs) I missed that. (laughs) You also know that she's very successful because she's always checking her phone. Always. Always. It's very important that she has cell service. It's, It's very important. And... Apparently, there's no cell signal anywhere in Vermont. Although I will say, I was in southern Vermont last weekend, and that was kind of the story of my life. 
Yeah, it is. It's the worst weekend when you go there because I don't get to talk to you. I was literally off the grid for just over 24 hours. And then... It's so stressful for me. <laughs> and then there's a whole stretch driving up north where, like, the signal is really spotty for about an hour. <laughs> it's, like, in and out. And that's actually more stressful to me than just being off the grid. You're not helping your own case, you know. I know. Uh, so... <laughs> so... She uh, is a very successful real estate agent in New York City, and she's supposed to have a date with her boyfriend, but then a real estate thing happens, and so she shows up late. And he says, I'm tired of just being one more ball in your juggling act. (laughs) He also says, we are a great couple when we're together, but I'm not dating your schedule. And then he says, we are who we are. So basically, it's like the greatest breakup speech in the history of rom-coms. And so then he breaks up with her, and she goes into like a three-week depression spiral. And her childhood best friend happens to be a therapist in New York, which you can tell because she always talks about scheduling time for your feelings. Yeah, and she's really itching for a free vacation. Yeah, basically. So this chick, uh, her father owns a bed and breakfast in Vermont. And so her friend, her therapist friend is like, you need to schedule time for your feelings because you never slow down enough to feel anything. So let's go to Vermont for a week. And then you'll come back and get a fresh start in Manhattan. So she like twists her arm into going to Vermont. And you learn that she has a bad relationship with her dad because he sold the apartment that they had on the Upper West Side right on Central Park after their her mom died. And she's still obsessed with her ex-boyfriend. So she goes to Vermont. She has a terrible meet-cute with the chef of the bed and breakfast, where she tries to kick all of his oyster mushrooms off a log. I think he may be the lost Scott brother. I wrote down that he was the fourth Olsen twin! (laughs) Yes! I was so close to texting you, but then I really wanted you to discover it on your own, and you did! (laughs) (laughs) My heart feels so full right now. So full. <laughs> so they meet cute in the driveway and she starts to kick the oysters off, oyster mushrooms off the log and he yells at her. And then, long story short, her ex-boyfriend ends up staying at the inn for reasons. And so she decides that she's going to make him jealous by pretending to date the chef. And then over the course of the week, she not only wins back her ex, but discovers the real meaning of life and love and that her priorities were wrong all along and falls in love with the chef and moves to Vermont. Oh, and her brother falls in love with her best friend. And there's a lot of metaphors about speeding up and slowing down. Oh, my God. Where you live. You don't even have to have a full on drinking game. You just have to drink anytime they talk about pacing. You'll be shit hammered. Like, you you should probably have the EMTs. The amount of times that she goes for a walk instead of a run. She goes out for a run every single morning. And the last, like, three days that she's in Vermont, everyone's like, how's your run? And she's like, well, it's more of a walk. I, like, wanted to take in the scenery. And everyone's like, oh, my God, you walking? Also, her athleisure outfit it's includes, absurd. like, an extra jacket tied around her waist every day. And I'm like, either yeah. wear the jacket or don't wear the jacket. It's a, it she's wearing a fleece with an extra fleece. Right. Well, there is snow. It is Vermont. They also refer to it as Siberia, the frozen tundra, <laughs> and Farmville in the first <laughs> 15 minutes. Uh, so basically, this is just like 
a really quotable movie. So my biggest thing is between the quotes and sort of the general absurdity, I had a lot of feelings. But then mostly my feelings were around Vermont and the maple syrup plot. Yeah, the fact that they never mentioned the grades of maple syrup makes it very inauthentic. Oh, except that they tried. So they go to a syrup Mm -hmm. tasting where they go to a room in a general store where there are tables and three little containers of syrup, which there are like four or five grades, not three. So get your shit together. <laughs> it used to be more, but they just changed the Canadian system because that's the international standard. So it's been like a clusterfuck for the last couple of years. At any rate. But see, this would have been authentic <laughs> language that you would have heard had this been written by a Vermonter. It's so real. Like they got the Vermont thing about like, eh, like, for, I started off thinking 60%, but I think it's closer to, like, 40%, right? Like, I think someone on the writing team must have, like, an aunt who lives in Vermont. Yeah. Like, like I, there's definitely a degree of separation, but then they got a couple little details, right? Like, they knew to say the word fiddlehead fern. Yeah. And they knew to drop in that the chef's mother was an eighth-generation Vermonter. Yeah. They sort of knew some stuff. That they had to get in there. But, like, the pancakes at the pancake breakfast were sad. Yeah. Oh, I didn't finish my rant about the syrup tasting, though. So they sit down (laughs) at these tables, and every table has three containers of syrup with these little sticks in them. And they're supposed to have a competition to see who who can correctly guess the grade of the syrup on the table. And so the chef is making, what's her face, Fiona, sniff the syrup and swirl it like a wine tasting because she wasn't taking it seriously enough. And then she starts talking about it having, like, notes of vanilla. And he's like, yeah, if you cook it at different temperatures, it brings out different vanilla flavors. And I was like, no! (laughs) (laughs) It's so egregious. It it offends me to my core. (laughs) Do you know what happens when you go somewhere for a syrup tasting? First of all, what the fuck kind of general store in bumfuck vermont has enough space to dedicate an entire half of its store to like six tables to do scheduled syrup tastings ain't nobody got time for that second of all do you know what happens at a syrup tasting yikes (laughs) you walk up into the sugar shack around the evaporator and they have a bunch of little plastic containers with the syrup bottles in front of it and you just drink the syrup as you walk by right that's how it goes they put it in little cups I put it in, like, the little plastic containers, and you just sip the syrup. Yeah. So there's this whole thing about the syrup, because she's up there for Maple Fair, which, like, there's snow on the ground, so it's not impossible that... Fair with an E, too. Fair with an E. So we... Usually we don't call them fairs up here. We usually call them festivals. All right? Right. Right. Um, But also, like... They never clarify what time of year it's supposed to be, so there's, like, kind of snow on the ground, which, like, is not necessarily impossible in March. But if they really wanted to drive the whole thing home and really give us a sense of place, they would have placed it as being in the spring. Also, in terms of place, a sense of place, they don't tell you where this inn is in Vermont. That's what I was going to ask you, what you think it was. Other than to say that there are no vacancies from here to Montpelier. Yeah, they reference Montpelier a lot, I think, because when they Google Vermont, that's what comes up. (laughs) Well, so I said that to my husband, and he's like, okay, so that could be anywhere, because Montpelier is basically the middle of the state, y'all. Right. So then also at the end, like, the big plot point is that their their dinner for food bloggers gets fucked up because a truck slips on ice. And it happens in Montpelier. 
Which, like, there is an interstate that runs through Montpelier. 89 goes past Montpelier. Yeah. But, like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, where are you? (laughs) I I wrote half my ingredients are stuck in traffic of memoir. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. So, So she's up there for Maple Fair. There's all this maple stuff that's happening, and he has this whole thing about this maple tree that his family member planted amongst the evergreens, he makes a point to point out, and so he taps it every year because it makes the sweetest, most golden syrup, and I was like, look, bro, that is not how syrup is made. Like, you need 40 gallons of sap to make one gallon of syrup. And she, like, licks it off, and she's like, mmm, so sweet. Yeah, sap doesn't taste like that. Y'all, sap is basically sugar water. And then you boil it the fuck down for endless hours. And, like, one tree? I've never owned a sugar bush, but I'm just saying, one tree ain't gonna get you any more special syrup than the other fucking trees. (laughs) And then he makes sure to say, slow down and smell the maple syrup. (laughs) I did appreciate that. Well, and then by the end of it, she starts referring to it as our tree, and then he refers to the syrup from that tree as our syrup, and it kind of gave me the creeps. Yeah. I was not here for that. There was also a weird thing where he's driving this ancient truck, and I think they were trying to assume that all Vermonters drive cars from 1955. (laughs) Yeah, there was definitely some of that going on. Oh, also they walk into... I'm trying to make sure I get through all of my syrup rants, because I had multiple. Um, (laughs) They walk into the Maple Fair, and her friend is going through, like, the um the like brochure for what's happening that week and she goes maple sugar scrub facials and maple sugar itself which is like granular sugar made from maple syrup that shit costs like 25 dollars a pound you are not about that to put that shit in like a facial scrub especially not in the middle of bumfuck vermont they don't even have a sink to wash it off with if they really wanted to be authentic, they could have done something with sugar on snow. All they had to do was sugar on snow. That's literally all we do in the spring is eat sugar on snow with a dill pickle. That's all we do. Pancake <laughs> breakfast and sugar on snow. That's all right. you had to do, Hallmark. Dear Hallmark, if Dear you're Hallmark. out there, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my motherland. Oh, so her um, her ex-boyfriend shows up with his new girlfriend, and it's only been like three weeks since they broke up. And the girlfriend is apparently from Vermont originally but like now lives in new york city so she is talking to the protagonist about why nate the ex-boyfriend he's the only one whose name i memorized for some reason why they're in vermont and she goes i wanted to show nady my vermont yeah yeah i had specific beef with the boots budget they seem to be working with (laughs) you mean the egregious number of ll bean boots they have but knockoffs. They weren't real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, Girl got some boots from DSW, man. No and fucking kidding. DSW, like, sure. But those boots do not hold up. Like, get yourself some tries. Well, I just love that they are trying to prove that she's a city girl by having her still wearing high heels in the snow in Vermont. Right. I've brought people up here from the city. People with no, who have, like, never been outside of the city. I've brought them up here. They know not to wear their stiletto suede boots in the middle of winter. Right, but even the crappy boots she had were, like, oh, well, they were all crappy, but, like... Yeah, they were all crappy. The non-stiletto boots that she had were still cheap. Oh, the gray ones from the syrup tasting day? 
Yeah, and they don't hold up. Like, they just disintegrate in the wet snow. (laughs) They also, at no point in talking about maple syrup, do they mention evaporators and how syrup's actually made. And I just felt like that was egregious. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the last time I'll talk about syrup. I'm sorry. I just What about the men on logs? Oh, God. So the the establishing shot of the first day of the Maple Fair is, like, all this lumberjack shit going on. So it's, like, in a barn, which is fair. But then there's these two guys standing on top of logs with axes. and They're, like, cutting the logs that are in between their feet. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be, like, a competition of some kind. But, like, we don't do that. I also thought the fashion in general for the Vermonters was too fashion forward. Yeah, that's true. You're not wrong. Except the number of Henleys that the chef wore was appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Some other incredible quotes that go to show the writer's knowledge <laughs> of Vermont include. Oh, no. He sources everything locally. Everything except me, of course. <laughs> I'd have vegetables farmed to table in minutes instead of days. Where the fuck do you live that it takes days to get vegetables from <laughs> 10 miles down the road? What the fuck is wrong with you? Do you not well, have his a vegetables are all stuck on the highway. <laughs> in traffic. Um, do you have a broken tree? Some memories are like syrup. They stick. But hopefully sweet. Oh, ugh, ugh. I feel like basically all this show felt like it had to do to establish setting was to just say Vermont as many times as possible. And I know I talk about Vermont a lot. I know this because I listen to myself, but I also have received that feedback a lot over the years. And so I was having this moment as I was watching it where I was like, is this what it's like to listen to me talk? Yeah, but at least you're not wrong. Thank you for that validation. I also hate, as a broader issue, stories about people from New York. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. It's so overdone. I've seen a million of them. I've read a million of them. Well, it's always the same shit. It's like they're highly motivated career people. They have no time for the important things in life. Right. The city's so fast-paced and wonderful, and there's just so much life, and I don't give a flying fuck. They have no, like, coping skills outside of the city, so none of them have any experience with any other thing in the world. Right. I just find it hard to believe that there are not stories that exist outside of New York. It's, yeah. New York is one of my least favorite settings. Yeah. yeah. LA goes in there too, but I almost appreciated the fact that this went to fake Vermont because <laughs> it was at least something different, but I am so, I was so annoyed every time she talked about New York, which yeah. is all the time. Well, because the this is actually a thing that does happen anytime Vermont is included in fiction. It's typically juxtaposed to New York City for this reason, because right. it's it's just like you were saying earlier with the amount of times they had to talk about pace versus place, where like New York is fast paced and Vermont is slow. And each one has something valuable to teach you about life, but yeah. it's just like, it's, it's a gross trope. It's like, it's not one that like feels good to consume repeatedly. No, and they just do it so often. Like out of all the rom-coms on rom-com vacation, probably 50% of them at least were set in New York. Oh yeah, New York is like the rom-com center of the universe. Well, they make a joke in this movie at the beginning that part of the reason why they have to go to Vermont is because Manhattan is crawling with couples. And as long as she stays in Manhattan, she's only going to see happy couples and it's going to make her miserable. Mm -hmm. Which is like the dumbest logic because Vermont's a tourist trap and couples go to tourist traps. 
So right. nice try. But also, like, I I feel like I feel like they didn't know that that was the joke they were making. But like, New York is the rom com capital of the world. To that point, there is an exchange between her and the chef, where he wakes her up in the morning because he's chopping wood outside, and so she peeks out her window to yell at him. And they both <laughs> mumble about it after the exchange. And he goes, New York princess. And she goes, Vermont lumberjack. Yeah. Because was... if we're being real, those are the only tropes that really exist. That was something, huh? That was real something. Ugh. Um, Some other spicy exchanges included. There's plenty to do up here. What? Like grow your own herbs? <laughs> <laughs> or... Also, there was 1,000% weed in that greenhouse, if it's real Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that guy wouldn't have spent that much time talking with that spacey look on his face if he wasn't growing some edibles in there. Mm -mm. Another spicy exchange. You're left-brained because you left your brain at culinary (laughs) school. I'm right-brained because you know I'm right. Thank you for writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) I also was curious, speaking of the location again, of they talked about a mess on the Mac, Mass Pike. Yeah. And I was like, but the, they go in different directions. Like, the Mass Pike is an east-west route, and any route to Vermont is a north-south route, so... I can't think of a route where you would use the Mass Pike to get to 89. Right. Like, if you're doing it that way, you're doing it wrong. Like this whole movie, though. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, again, it was one of those things where they were like... I guess we need to say some words that sound geographically accurate. So what's near Boston? What's a road in Boston? Uh, People from Massachusetts come to Vermont, right? Yikes. (laughs) Like, yeah. All they had to do was make a joke about the bridge. Like, let's make a joke about 93. We all would have gotten it. Right. If you really wanted to score some points, you should have made a joke about the New Hampshire dot, but whatever. (laughs) Also, correct me if I'm wrong. New Hampshire doesn't have scallops. They have ocean. I don't know. They have like a very small coastline. But also, I'm not trying to eat any of the seafood that comes from the New Hampshire coast. I mean, it's no different than eating the seafood from the Maine coast. Have you been to the New Hampshire coast? Yeah. It's gross. Well, yeah, but they're not like fishing off of Hampton Beach. They might be. (laughs) They're so busy living free. You don't You're know right. what they're up to. Live for your die, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, the other thing is that they spent a lot of time making jokes about, like, New Englanders and New England sensibilities. And I was like, girl, you're from New York. You have no business trying to identify a New Englander. Right. They're like, New Englanders hate change. Yeah. It's like, don't tread on me. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> what a beautiful sentiment. <laughs> yeah. So it's fair to say that we loved this movie. I was kind of obsessed with it. It's one of my favorites. It was great. I mean, the good news is you may be seeing more Hallmark originals where this came from. So the preview. The next movie at the very end of this is for a movie called, like, Cats and Dogs, where apparently the premise is that these two people get an Airbnb that they're supposed to have alone, but because of a misbooking, they're each in it, and she has a dog, and he has a cat, 
And then based on the rest of the trailer, he eats celery and she eats pizza. So it's going to be wonky, guys. <laughs> if you're an Airbnb owner, please don't allow cats. Ever. <laughs> who, who's trying to bring their cat on a week-long vacation? <laughs> right. Like, like, why? Just who's why? Who's to do that? They're fine on their own. Um. So, yeah, I think the moral of the story here is, like, don't fuck with syrup unless you know what you're doing. Also, at one point, a guy definitely tried to say syrup. You could tell he normally says syrup. And it, I was like, dude, get off my set. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so don't fuck with syrup unless you know the game you're playing. All right, producers, <laughs> you hear me? The other lesson is that we are definitely going to be hate watching more Hallmark films. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is officially part of the hate watch canon. Get hype! <laughs> so if you have... Any additional thoughts if you've seen this movie, which I know some Vermonters who have seen this movie and felt similarly to me, but if you had thoughts about this movie, if you had thoughts about New England and other strange place-based tropes, feel if free to If you'd like us. to defend New York, even though you're wrong. Yes, I'd be willing to hear you out, but we're New Englanders. You can find us on Twitter at HateWatchWithUs, or you can find us by email, HateWatchWithUs at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Tumblr, HateWatchWithUs.tumblr.com, where we've got a whole bunch of content, which includes episodes and the list for rom-com education, and will include some upcoming Game of Thrones content, which is going It'll to be It'll be timely really by the time you're listening to this, Kiersey. That's true fully up-to-date Game of Thrones content. Fully up-to-date Game of Thrones content to accompany our upcoming bind-off episodes every Sunday night. Our current bind-off episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Time is hard. It's so hard, guys. This podcast is basically like a time machine because we, by the time you listen to it, it happened two weeks ago. So I don't know where I am in the time-space continuum. Nope. Nope. We're going to be deep into that hate watch GOT life, though. (laughs) So follow along on Tumblr and then find us in the other places where you find us. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye.